Whites listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Reno Whites. My name is Connor McQuibby. I am your host as always. Good to have you joining me today. Today on the podcast, I am welcoming Melissa Williams, who runs the Feed the Camel food truck event on Wednesday nights at the McKinley Art Center. We had a great conversation about food trucks. I love food trucks. As many of you know, I used to live in Portland, which has a huge food truck culture, and I am very excited to see so many food truck events here in Reno. So we had a great conversation about Feed the Camel and food trucks in general. Before we get into the episode, and speaking of things to do in Reno, many of you know I host trivia for DJ Trivia at several venues around town, and I would love for my listeners to come check out DJ Trivia if you have not done so. We have events all over town, Sunday through Thursday. Most of the games are from 7 to 9, so nice little after-dinner but not-too-late thing to do on the weeknights. It's super fun. We play a lot of great music. It's free to play. There's prizes to be won. Check out the locations. Go to djtrivia.com and you can find the locations closest to you. I host several venues around town, so I hope I will see you out at one of our DJ Trivia games soon. And now, without any further ado, this week's guest, Melissa Williams. Welcome to Renoites. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Melissa. The best place for us to start, as always, is uh, who you are and, and what you do. So you are in the food truck industry run feed the camel which is a food truck event can you tell me a little bit just about your your food story working in restaurants working in food and working in food trucks uh what brought you to where you are right now doing the food truck stuff that you're doing oh gosh (laughs) um i started in 2012 2013 i opened up a food truck called Mellow Yellow Food, which was inspired of my upbringing in Houston, Texas area. Um, So I did funky burgers and quesadillas, different things that was really great and wild about Texas I thought would be a lot of fun to share in the Reno area. So ran that truck for about three years. And in that process, started hosting Feed the Camel out at the McKinley Center and just continue to push with it when I had to uh, let the truck go in order to move forward from a dissolved marriage and, you know, take the take the salary job in order to make ends meet, but still finding myself coming back to food with continuously running this event for the last eight years and continuing on in the restaurant business, specifically through uh, Reno Aces Ballpark is the company that I have grown from right now. I spent three years out there working from a premium cook in the kitchen up to sous chef. And now I work with the parent company of sports and entertainment and travel, travel the country cooking and still running this little food truck event. What was the food truck world like when you started your truck here in Reno? So I know Houston has a pretty strong food truck culture, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like when you came to Reno and, and tried to do it in Reno? What did it look like, the landscape? Were there food truck events already? And what what was the landscape like when you decided to open a food truck? Well, I, I moved out to Reno in um, 2004. So I would say the modern movement kind of started a little bit after that, maybe about, mm, I don't know, maybe 2010, 2011 is when I really started noticing it, at least within Reno. I left Houston a little early, I think, before the modern food movement that we see across the country really took hold, where people focus on local sourcing and growing their own and and just making really good food. 
but it was I would have to the the major props of the Reno local food truck movement came from the two best um, that I I think we've ever seen, and that's Gourmet and Kinji's. They both started it locally within Reno. I consider them the founders of the local Reno food truck movement. And it's just grown from there. Obviously, we have some that have been around for quite a while. And we have even in this year, um, we have a lot of new businesses opening even after COVID. And I think from my perspective, I would have to say some of the best trucks that we've had over the, this last, uh, or what are we now, a decade, really come from creative, female-driven businesses, I think we've seen a lot of that succeed, whether they've gone brick and mortar or continue to be food trucks to this day. I really give a lot of props to that, to Kelly Safari with Kenji's, to Jesse and Haley with Gourmet, Regina and Andy, uh, when they had Still Rolling, I mean, they, they were phenomenal. And, and it really shows in the food and in the quality and in the business models as well. Nice. Yeah, I used to live in Portland, and there's a strong food truck culture there. And it got me thinking about the different ways of presenting food trucks to people. There's, you know, the the scheduled pop-up food truck, which I think was a... You don't see that as much, I guess, in Reno. But I remember when I lived in Portland, and this happened also when I lived in Vegas. And most places I've lived, there's been a couple food trucks that have the rotating schedule where they'll post on Instagram where they're going to be that week, that kind of thing. But really strongly in Portland, there was the food truck pod, like the neighborhood food truck parking lot that has four or five or six food trucks that are there semi-permanently. Some of them would even like build a little bit of structure around them. And they almost felt like mini restaurants with a little patio and stuff. And you know, there was some controversy around that where some of the local regulations said, like, your food truck has to be movable. It has to actually be a truck. It can't just, you know, permanently take up a parking spot. But it had this feeling of like a neighborhood food court almost. Mm-hmm. And then we also in Reno, I think, seem to have much more of a focus on the food truck events. So it's a lot of food trucks all in one place, all at a specific time. So that's like Feed the Camel and Food Truck Friday, I think are what most people think of when it comes to food trucks. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the the benefits of those different types of models of reaching people with food trucks? Obviously, you're very invested in the food truck event space, but what have you seen in Reno from all the different ways of food trucks getting to people? Having been in the business myself, you see the ins and outs of what the city regulations will allow you to do. And that's what really curves the whole group together, I would say, um, as far as what you can and can't do, obviously. But what is what, like you said, what is expected within Reno? Like, yes, we don't have the pods. We don't have the parks, even though it was something I always wanted to do. Um, And I know there were other people that were interested in kind of doing that, just never really quite finding the right location to make that a stable business. Reno is a very big event city. That's what we're known for. And I mean, beyond, you know, Nevada in general with Vegas and all, but Reno depends on events. And it was kind of the easiest business model in order to get all the food trucks together because our city and county regulations is you just can't go and park wherever you want and set up shop, you know, and start a little fiesta outside your truck windows. Um, You are required to be on a privately owned area. You can't just park on any city street and set up. You have to be so many feet away from the front door of a restaurant. So you're not competing against them. 
in, in general, all of that. So going to events became the easiest solution. And then you had people like Haley Mosley and, and Jesse Henderson creating the original Food Truck Friday downtown 2013, 2014. And that's when it became really known within the community that this is food trucks. This is a food truck event. And, oh, we have this available to us now because they did it so early but when um, food trucks were becoming a big thing. People branched off from that with creating other events, big or small. That's how Feed the Camel came to be. The girls were ready to open their restaurant to chicks and said, hey, we got to step away from this right now. Mel, would you like to take over? And at that time, that's when uh, Reno Street Food was growing and doing every Friday. So we decided to make Feed the Camel a different night, come up with a weird and funky name, Feed the Camel. What does that mean? Oh, it's hump day. You know, go feed your hump, feed the camel. And then from there, as it progressed through the years, other events within the city, big or small, and started utilizing food trucks as opposed to pop-ups and caterers because you can just wheel it all in and wheel it all out. That's just been the easiest thing, I, I would guess, for how the how it's more event-driven focus. I've also seen food trucks at bars. Like I host for DJ Trivia, so Trivia Nights, and a couple of the venues that I work at don't serve food, but they'll have a food truck as the food at their venue. And I think that's another kind of collaborative model between the food trucks and the the bar industry that seems to be a pretty good symbiotic relationship, right? Yeah, the the bars, uh, yeah, the bars are allowed, you know, to do that, especially because like I said, you have to be on private property. So if you're in their parking lot, if you're, you know, on their in their alley, I mean, that's one of one of the best places I ever took Mellow Yellow Food to was under the rose on 4th Street. That was one of our best Thursday night spots. The other thing that I forgot to mention that the trucks also did a lot of when they started coming out was uh, they did a lot of business lunches. So different offices with a, a bunch of people would call and book. And so that's where you would see kind of that rotating weekly schedule. And it fared well for a while for most trucks. But I think those offices got so used to booking food trucks that the customers just got inundated with all the food. So you had to start looking for other outlets whether or not, you know, joining up with bigger events, hitting up the bars and the distilleries, which I think is great because that's one of my favorite places to try other local trucks that are new to the scene or at the bars. Mm -hmm. That's how I find out about trucks that I don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the the restrictions around being close to brick and mortar restaurants. And I remember that being one of the criticisms of the food trucks was these established brick and mortar restaurants feel like food trucks have an unfair advantage of they don't have all the overhead of running a brick and mortar location. And that seems, you know, unfair and and a threat to the traditional restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. Do you think that is something that you've heard in Reno? Is that part of the reason that there's restrictions around where food trucks are? Is it's kind of like protecting the more established restaurant industry from these potentially disruptive, smaller businesses? I think now it's not an issue like it used to be. I think where that came to fruition, if I remember this correctly, was it was a, you know, and if if I get it wrong, you know, someone please correct me. But I believe the story was that there was a taco truck across the street from a taqueria selling tacos for like 10 cents less a piece, something like that. And so that's when I think the city started getting involved. Um, You know, something to that effect. Nowadays, there's not going to be 
a barbecue trailer on the curb of Brothers Barbecue. There's not going to be Slater's Ding and Wing parking next to Buffalo Wild Wings like that. We have enough courtesy. We have enough, you know, common sense. That's that's not what we're here about. And then as you were talking about the difference in costs and running the business, you know, some people that are willing to make the risk to start a brick and mortar from scratch and never be in a food truck, there's different financial burdens. There's different things that you have to go through. I mean, if you decide to start with a food truck, you've got all the issues of being on a truck. It's extremely hot. It's extremely cold, depending on the weather. Where we live, it's so windy. I mean, we've seen wind shut down, you know, food trucks for a day. You're driving a truck. You know, the engine breaks down. The transmission goes out. you got a flat tire. Your generator breaks. And that ruins your entire day versus, you know, being at a restaurant where, you know, maybe one piece of equipment goes out and you can get, you know, the, the repair service out to get it fixed real quick. The Washoe County Health Department, I feel, is is a lot more thorough on your food trucks because you are traveling around with food. You've got to grow your social media presence because you're moving around all the time. I mean, I can walk across the street to soup and I know exactly where they are. They're not going anywhere. But if I want to find Big Blue Q, okay, oh, he's up in Tahoe today. Oh, he's in Midtown today. You know, so you've got to make it more, you know, around their schedule and, and what's going on there. Um, it's just a different, a completely different set of its own issues, positives and negatives. More power to the people that start from scratch with brick and mortar. And, you know, and a lot of times some people, their whole goal is to go brick and mortar from a food truck or they're com- completely happy being on a truck. I mean, I look back at it now, I get asked all the time, well, would you reopen your truck? I said, well, you know, I almost want to go more small scale and just open a little taco cart and do my style of food on a taco. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. And I'm always happy to help and answer any questions for someone that wants to start a food truck and move into our little community. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's movement both ways from starting a food truck as a path to a brick and mortar, like with two chicks. And then there's also the reverse, where I feel like there are businesses that are brick and mortar who either have a food truck as an offshoot of their business Mm -hmm. or who downgrade to just doing mobile because they don't want the the burdens or the, the challenges of the brick and mortar restaurant. Have you seen both of those things happen in Reno? And why do you think that is? Or do you think that's a, a good dynamic where there's this flexibility and being able to kind of shift between those two with pluses and minuses for each? I've seen it a whole bunch of different ways. We do see local restaurants, brick and mortars, go and grow into a food truck to add additional revenue. Sometimes they succeed and sometimes they don't. I mean, I it just depends on where you're at. But we've also seen someone like, what's the name of the little, um, I can't, I'm, I'm drawing a, a blank right now, Laura, who used to be here in Midtown that owned the little cheese shop. Oh yeah, the Wedge, Wedge Cheese Shop, right? Wedge, thank you. I, ca- I kept wanting to say creme, but I know that was next door. Yes, yeah, so Wedge, you know, she had... One of the most fantastic stores ever to grace Midtown. I loved that store. I loved Laura and her staff. But then she had to downsize. And she created a trailer, came out to feed the camel, was selling cheese, was selling plates, and and was working the circuit for a good year, 2018, 2019. And eventually, you know, that's what she had to do. We don't see, I haven't seen any, a lot of that beyond 
what she had to do. I see more of, I mean, we've even seen uh, national chains that are here in Reno open up a food truck and push their food as well. Not naming names, but some people that have won all the (laughs) R&R one year that seemed like it was rigged and for every category that was even possible for, for that restaurant to win. We all know who I'm talking about, but um, I don't know who we're talking about, but I wanted to ask you about the the localness aspect of it, because I associate food trucks with being hyper local. And generally, I like local restaurants. I support the local restaurant industry. And I'm glad that food trucks tend to be, at least in my experience, like they have to be local. I didn't realize that there was any kind of push from any national chain to like move into the food truck space. But I'm really curious to hear about what you have seen from that, because I feel like that's a little bit of a threat to food truck culture. If you have these national chains that are taking a lot of like the local character out of the food truck scene and just kind of like Mm -hmm. adopting the food truck business model and applying, you know, a national branding to it, that seems pretty unappealing to me. Have you, you have seen that happening in general? I'm, I'm curious to hear more about that. I've only seen it once. And if I've missed someone else, but yes, um, I totally believe in the local aspect of it. And, and like we were saying for brick and mortars that expand into a food truck that are local, I mean, more power to them. They have the, the finance to do it and they're, and they're looking to get their name out there and create more revenue for themselves. Of course. Um, you know, I've seen that with Paisans. We've seen it with Bodogs, at least off the top of my head. And then, you know, the some of the, the shops that have gone brick and mortar, some of them still do have their food truck and continue to use it for uh, large caterings. Or sometimes I can talk them into joining Feed the Camel, um, such as like trying, I'm trying to get Kenji's out, but I know they're super busy. And the same with Aloha Shack, who's up in the North Valleys. It's really important to me to support that local aspect because you're putting your heart and your soul into what you do. You're taking that risk. You know, you're, you're leaving the comfort of a stable job and, and hoping that we don't have a disaster like last year where, where COVID happened. COVID shut down so many food trucks that, that were amazing. And it breaks my heart that they haven't come back at all, but I'm still really excited for the people that still took the plunge and continue to open their businesses towards the end of last year and have been doing pretty well so far. There's so many elements. And, and like I said, we're a special event town. So the, the majority of your business is in the summer, a brick and mortar, you can be open all year, but a food truck, who's going out in, in 20 degree weather, you know, in a blizzard as as, you know, nobody. So a lot of a lot of folks shut down for the winter and they pick up work or hopefully they've made enough to to last them through the year. Um, So I think that's kind of forgotten about, too, when uh, you kind of compare, you know, apples and oranges between the two. What do you think makes food trucks succeed or fail? What are the things that go into making a food truck really successful and survive year after year versus food trucks that don't make it? Obviously, there's this trend of food trucks being really popular. And I think a lot of people may view it as a, I want to try this. It's fun and exciting and it doesn't always work financially. What do you think is the key to a successful food truck? And what have you seen as some of the pitfalls that lead to food trucks not making it? There's two major aspects that I see year after year. And I don't want to come across as an expert 
either. I, I mean, but you know, you, you kind of know what you know and you see what you see. And when the pattern begins, you know, you kind of stick with that. Uh, first and foremost, as a chef, as a business owner, it's about the food. It's all about the food. You got to bring something new and exciting to the table. Anybody, and I say, it's, as a former owner of a burger truck, right? Like, you could say anybody can do a burger, right? But who's going to do a burger with, you know, fried jalapenos and brie and raspberry chipotle sauce, you know, on a fresh local made bun and it's the third pound burger that's locally sourced. You know, anybody can go to Costco and get a burger patty and throw lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle on it and call it a day. But when you are creative and you're bringing something new, people get excited for that. When you have fresh product, when you have steady quality, that's what people are looking for. You can go to the McDonald's, you can go get fried chicken, you can go anywhere and get anything. But who's going to have soft shell crab tacos? Who's going to have chicken tenders made with cornflakes and Parmesan with like a ghost pepper ranch that is just really killer. You know, who's going to have this amazing lamb burger for me? Who's going to have, you know, a lote corn tacos and a wonton shell? Like people go to food trucks for that experience. They want weird and funky and, and fresh because if they're going to take the time to track you down and go and sit outside, you know, they're, they're really making the effort to do that. So I really believe that. Anybody can do pizza. Anybody can do hot dogs. What makes your stuff unique? So that's first and foremost, the thing of a successful truck. And you look at, you know, who you've seen in business for all these years. We all know how fabulous the success of Gourmet and Two Chicks has been. They have amazing product. Anybody can put bread and cheese together. But these ladies, let me tell you, it melts in your mouth and you just crave it and crave it and crave it. Everyone loves Kinji's. You know, it's hard to find someone who doesn't. That's the biggest thing. The second biggest thing, which I've seen with my own eyes more than anything, it's the visual of your truck. Bright, funky, draws you in. That brings in a lot of business, especially when you have a group of trucks within um, an event setting. So if you if you haven't done a whole lot with your truck, if people can walk by you because they can't see what you're offering, I mean, for a long time, even in our modern food truck movement, we still had the quote unquote roach coach mentality of a lot of people. Well, I don't want to go eat a fluffy fruit truck. You know, the food's gross, this and that. So that really plays a lot into it. And you combine that with your social media presence and your advertising. But yeah, I think those are the two biggest things. Got it. No, that's a, that's a great answer. Because I, I think that you're right. Those two things are really important for a person who goes to eat at food trucks. When I'm walking around a food truck event, mm-hmm. the appearance, the branding does make a difference. Like it, That's what gets you to look at the menu. That's what kind of gets you to pay attention, especially in the event setting where there is a lot of competition. How many trucks do you generally have at Feed the Camel? We do about 10 to 12 savory. We have two alcohol vendors that sell different things. So usually about mm, three to four dessert vendors and try and make sure that, you know, all the desserts are different. And I curate it in such a way, too, that we don't have a whole bunch of the same things so that we don't have five burger trucks. We've got, you know, one wing truck. We've got, you know, seafood. We've got pasta. We got, you know, all the different cuisines so that everybody can be represented. But yeah, like you said, walking around, you know, 
And that's another thing that I think really helps trucks all stop in the middle of event and say, oh, where did you get that? They'll say, oh, I got it here. Like, I'm going to go try that. Your presentation is really important too. You know, something weird and wild and draws your eye to what's going on. You know, you see, okay, this truck has a line. They got something going on. And so you, you really you really pick up on that a lot too. I mean, one of our most popular trucks we've ever had would be Nam Eats. Our vegan burrito gods and goddesses that are, you know, with with Robin and Ian and all of them, you know, you have trucks that draw a crowd. We used to be one of those trucks too. People knew that they could come to Fia the Camel or the original Food Truck Friday and know, okay, what's Mel got this time? And I really tried to play to that as well. You really got to cater to your crowd. So if you see, okay, maybe this guy's doing something I'm not doing, what can I do different? And I I really try and help the trucks that I I bring to our event. They feel like they didn't do that well that night. Okay, how can we help? What can we do different? Can we put you in a different spot? Can we help advertise you more? We really care about these businesses as a family because we are a core unit. We do so many events together. We, We look out for each other. And so that is also one of the aspects too. You ask like what really makes a successful truck. And because we do events together, you know, if we're booked, if someone's booked and I, they can't make it, we recommend one another. And we recommend people based on their personality, you know, that we know that they're going to show up and be there on time, that they're going to have great food. So the people that want to be the rebels and not get along with everybody or I'm going to do what I'm going to do, you, you, you see those fizzle out really quick. Mm-hmm. And they tend to disappear down the line. Yeah, it seems like the the food truck event is really a collaborative effort. Like you mentioned, there's this variety of different types of food, and then it all comes together to give people multiple options. And it's often the same food trucks coming back every time. So I imagine there is the sense of community and also businesses helping businesses. So by you putting together an event that gives these food trucks a place to go, it seems very focused on helping a lot of small businesses succeed. For sure. For sure. We are, I mean, at least, you know, we have kind of a core group of of food trucks that have been working together for quite some time. And then we have a lot of new folks involved too, that we're, you know, welcoming in with warm hugs and alcoholic beverages. You know, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to the event together. We all start setting up, we help each other, you know, one person can't is having trouble backing their trailer up. Someone else hops in the truck and gets it in there. You know, Miss Fosta with Mince Wolf, that is our, our bakery lady that she sets up and has all the cookies and breads. She's pulling her carts in and we all hop out and we're helping her get her stuff set up. I've run out of product. I can't, my generator's not working, you know, oh, all sorts of different issues. We work together. When in reality, you see a lot of people not wanting to help, you know, it's every man for himself. No, we're not like that at all. And I'm really proud of of my vendors and enjoy working with them because of that. I, I think that makes makes me want to continue with this event because of the camaraderie that we do have. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like about the food truck events in Reno is that they are stationed at parks, like places that have grass and picnic tables and open space. When I lived in Portland, the main food truck venue usually was a parking lot very often it would be a set of food trucks in a parking lot with Mm -hmm. no no tables and no place to sit and 
you know, very urban environment. And here I'm glad that the food trucks have gravitated towards these outdoor spaces where you can have a picnic, bring a blanket, that kind of vibe. Do you think that's a good way of getting people to go to food trucks that they can create kind of a family event out of it and bring the kids and and it feels like a picnic rather than mm-hmm. getting something in a in a city and not having a place to sit. The the community aspect of being in a park, I think, really lends itself to food truck events, right? I do too. I I loved when we had the original Food Truck Friday downtown. I thought that was great. I'm all about kind of bringing in the community into the urban feel. But that, you know, unfortunately that location, it had its own, its issues. I saw the hopefulness of it. But then when Reno Street Food started at the same time, you know, they, they chose the park and that pulled away because yes, you know, it was in a park. It wasn't downtown, you know, because as much as Reno has changed over the years, you know, you, there will always be that stigma of downtown. I like being at the McKinley center because how we originally set it up with the food trucks in the parking lot underneath the overpass, it did kind of bring that urban vibe to it that, you know, okay, so it's still kind of street. It's still kind of city, but then you have, the whole park area. You've got the river right there. You have spaces to park and you can ride your bike over and that gives it the the family friendly vibe because we do. We've grown exponentially because of a lot of families that want that opportunity to just set up and let the kids run around. There's plenty of space for that without feeling like they're going to get lost in the shuffle. It's easy that way. That's how I decided on that location was I was working, um, an event with a couple other food trucks at the McKinley center. And when we started talking about opening up a new event, like this would be kind of cool. How could we do this? And so working with the city of Reno, um, specifically the special event director at the time was Alexis Hill, who's now, you know, our County commissioner and then her assistant director, uh, Casey Mathewson. I really could not have asked for a better team to work for in creating something new and fresh and and growing as long as we have in working together. And then that goes down the line with uh, some of the other departments that I've had to work with in conjunction with parks and special events, having their support makes it a lot easier. They're, they're happy to watch us grow. They're happy to let us expand in the different ways. Like this year, you know, you've seen, we, we have so many trucks and a lot of them are trailers. We've kind of grown into our little COVID model where we're expanded into the parking lot and not so much underneath the overpass as we have been. And it's, it's just been really great to be able to continue to present this because last year we were the only special event to happen in all of the city. Uh, we had to scale down our our event size, but at the same time, those were the only trucks that were even open. So you come to feed the camel, you're like, okay, finally, I can get out and be out in the world. And you've got four food trucks. What's going on, Mel? Guys, you're here. Support them. You know, everyone else is struggling right now. So, yeah, I think that's what makes it really fun and interesting to do that. Um, I like being in the park. I, I promote ourselves as very a chillaxed event. I know that word is outdated, but we are, we're not trying to be the biggest and the most famous one in town, but we continue to grow with, um, you know, the twenties and thirties young crowd where with families where they come and they set up every week and they have other families with them. We do serve alcohol 
within, you know, city and state guidelines and we don't have, you know, drunken issues like you would at any other of the big, you know, big events throughout the summer. So you don't have to, oh, I don't want to take the kids to this. There's going to be these people. We don't have any of that. There's definitely some challenges that come with events being too big. So I know I went to the first Food Truck Friday and it was super crowded. There was like thousands of people. And that means long lines. I know sometimes food trucks run out of stuff. They run out of food. They don't have enough to space on their trucks to store for these huge crowds. So there's some drawbacks when events get too big. And I know that you don't really have any control over how many people come to an event. So as far as the challenges of an event being too big or too crowded, have you seen any of that with Feed the Camel? Do you worry about that being one of the challenges of trying to maintain an event that is, you know, a little more low key and a little more casual But if people come, the lines come with them. So what do you see happening with Feed the Camel? Have you dealt with any of those issues? Have any of the trucks that attend Feed the Camel had challenges with that? What do you see as kind of the the problems of too many people or too much success? And how do you cope with that? Well, as we continue to grow, um, we're definitely going to see more people, more trucks, more lines. Um, I think the biggest thing is because of this past year, we just were really hoping that our our guests are are understanding of what everybody is going through right now, um, especially if you've never been in the food industry or customer service. On top of that, if you were able to maintain your job and your own business last year, uh, these trucks are coming back from from not having any business. Um, from not having any staff. And on top of that, um, I don't think people realize too, our food chain and the access of food products has, the price has gone up, the food's not available because on top of us not having enough people to work, um, you know, chicken processing, uh, the the price for chicken right now is outrageous because they have the chicken, um, they just don't have the people to process the meat and get it out to the grocery stores and to our suppliers. Um, There's so many different little things that are going into that right now. I mean, I've seen it across the board, not just in food trucks, um, but within, you know, my own company, within other restaurants and other industries around town and across the country. Um, Everything was going great, you know, 2019 ended spectacular. And we were so excited to get into 2020. Um, And then, you know, shit happened, unfortunately. And so everyone, you know, a year later is still trying to really recover from that. We are very blessed um, with Feed the Camel to continue to thrive. This year has been outstanding. We've grown by leaps and bounds. And we're so appreciative of all of the people that still come out in the heat, in the rain, in the cool air. Our second week was a little chilly. Um, and they they keep showing up in throngs. And, and we couldn't be more pleased or appreciative of that. Um, and however, it is, you know, a slightly double-edged sword. Food trucks may not have enough staff. And yeah, you have to wait a little bit longer for your food. But as long as you can understand with some level of compassion towards these vendors, I think everyone's going to go home with happy bellies and a great experience. I know a lot of our vendors are doing their best. And if you've been to the event, we do have a lot of uh, trucks that are new to the scene and they are still very green in their in their process and in handling their business. Um, we have had a couple of trucks Um, kind of step back at the end of the event and say, okay, how can I do this differently? How can I get my food out faster? Uh, 
do I have to do shortcuts in order to maintain um, a lower ticket time so my guests and customers aren't waiting so long? And we've worked on solutions with that. You know, being in the industry, being a chef myself um, on the catering side, I've been coaching um, our vendors and in, in ways that, you know, that they can produce um, a still 100% product, but being able to get it out a little bit sooner. Um, we've seen that with uh, Wreck-It Ryan, a medley food company. They Their first week with us a couple of weeks ago, they were swamped. They had so many friends and family and new customers want to try their food. Like they they, they struggled a little bit, but come the next week at Feed the Camel, they had their system down, they were ready, and they were just blowing through tickets. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of a two-way street. You know, you, you get the feedback from the customers, and at the same time, you're trying to do, you know, your best to, to keep everyone happy. Um, so it, it's going to take a while. I mean, I mean, I don't see it as any different than, um, you know, when we went through the recession a few years ago. It takes time to grow. It takes time to iron out the wrinkles. Um, but I'm really proud of all of our trucks and vendors that are going through that process and, and finding ways to make it work so that they are successful in everything they do. Awesome. One of the things I was wondering about is the variety of food. I hate to keep comparing to Portland, but one of the things I appreciated in the Portland food truck scene was that most of the pods in most of the neighborhoods would have some really good, authentic ethnic foods. There'd be good Middle Eastern food. There'd be good Asian food all around the town in these trucks. But I haven't seen as much of that in Reno. Is there not as much demand for it? Do we not have folks in Reno who want to start those trucks. So what's missing from Reno's food scene generally, not just ethnic food in particular, but in general, what do you see as kind of some missing pieces in Reno's food truck world? And what do you see happening in the future with that? Is that something that you hope will make more of an appearance or am I missing some of these trucks that are out there doing good food that I just haven't seen? What's, uh, what's your take on that? It's the same advice I think that you give uh, people that want to write or authors in general. You write what you know. And I think a lot of people that open up food trucks, they cook what they know. I think that's a safe bet. I think it's able to keep your costs down. And uh, and they're also able to just share what they love about food uh, to our community. I would love to see more um, ethnic cuisine, uh, more specialty foods. It's easy to do a specific type of American style food, uh, whether it's barbecue, uh, burgers, hot dogs, um, anything of that nature. Um, you know, people want it, you know, people are going to eat it. It's easy for to keeping your costs down um, and your product control. Um, but I think for something as, spe as specific as an ethnic cuisine that already does well in town, um, I don't think people are really going to jump out of their comfort zone or jump out of the box for that. Um, Luckily, this week, we do actually have um, a truck coming down from Truckee, I believe. They're called Mixed Menu, and they kind of have this Indian fusion with a little bit of Mexican flair to it, which I'm really excited to try. So there are people that are willing to get out there and do it. I mean, we used to have, you know, Tali, um, you know, is based out of the restaurants in West Street Market. Mm -hmm. um, you do have, you know, Kinji's that does the Korean Hawaiian fusion, you know, Aloha Shack's the same. But that's their background. That's what they know. That's the food they grew up on and what makes their food so great. 
I would love to see it if people are willing to do it. If we were getting some adventurous entrepreneurs out into the food scene and because we do already as far as brick and mortars we do have a really great eclectic mix we have a lot of indian we, you know we've had ethiopian there's mexican there's spanish there's peruvian there's korean um I mean, me, honestly, if someone was ballsy enough to open a Balinese truck, OMG, let me tell you, which is one of my favorite cuisines in the whole world, um, you know, see maybe some Cajun food. Uh, there's so many opportunities. I just think um, when it comes along, you know, we will be more than happy to have them at Feed the Camel. And I really think um, they'll do really well. Yeah, I hope to see it, too. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely probably a niche for it. And also, um, I mean, we definitely have, a, I think, adventurous eaters in town because there are so many places that everyone, ha you know, everyone has their favorite Indian joint. Everyone has their favorite Thai place. Um, so people aren't afraid to try it. We just we haven't had that opportunity yet. Where do you hope to see food truck culture in general go in the future? So we have these great food truck events. But the food truck movement, however you want to call it, is still relatively new. What do you hope to see in coming years? Is it more creative menus? What's your what's your hope? What would you like to see the food truck movement grow into? Wow. Um, you know, first and foremost, I just want everyone to be as successful and fulfill their goals and dreams as much as possible. I know there are some trucks that are content staying a truck in a trailer because of the freedom that it allows them. Um, and there are some that are, are, are diehard set on opening their own restaurant and brick and mortars. And both, both of those come with their own headaches and their issues and uh, proprietary greatness and fulfillment. Um, it's just, I think it really depends on what the specific vendor is looking to do with their business. I, for one, love food trucks. Um, I travel a lot with work. If I can get to food trucks, you know, I'm, I'm there no matter what. And I, and I love to support any food truck community in any city that I do go to. I think we're going to continue to grow and thrive. We may see more trucks close than open. Um, because there is such a cyclical, can you say cyclical cycle? That's <laughs> kind of an oxymoron, <laughs> but there is a, a cycle, you know, you might see a truck for one season, you might see him for five and then they move on to another city or they move on to getting bigger. We used to have a vendor a few years ago. I mean, she came to town from the East Coast with two food trucks, with two totally different styles. Uh, it was One was Austrian and one was her version of Tex-Mex. So there's always opportunity. It's always going to continue to grow. I think it's definitely a movement that's here to stay. It's been around long enough, um, you know, at least you know, at least 10 years now within our community. And I think that's enough time for it to continue to grow. Um, but like we've said throughout this entire conversation, you know, it's all about how you present yourself. And it's also what kind of food you have. Successful marketing, uh, fantastic product, you know, friendly service, dependable on showing up to either events or private caterings, um, you know, just anything that makes a successful business. So as long as you have those, you know, bright eyed, full heart type cooks and business owners, I mean, the, the scene will continue to thrive. Um, I think our event will continue to grow. 
and we will continue to support it as long as, you know, the trucks still want to be there and our guests continue to show up every Wednesday afternoon. Uh, We have no intention of stopping. Um, And if that were the case, we would continue to support the food truck community in any way that we can. Awesome. How can people stay in the loop on what's going on at Feed the Camel, what trucks you have week to week? Is social media a good way? And not just for Feed the Camel, but keeping up with these food trucks in general. They're kind of scattered around, uh, and sometimes it's hard to keep track of what's going to be where. So what's the best place for a typical person to tap into what's happening in food truck world? The best way to find out more about Feed the Camel is across social media. And we are on Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitter. Um, So you can follow us for more information. We'll post, we usually post our lineups about Tuesday-ish. But we love to cross-promote all our food trucks, whether it's at Feed the Camel or any kind of crazy thing that they're doing throughout the week. Um, And then also all of the trucks have their own social media and they're on the various platforms. Most of them are on uh, Facebook and Instagram and some of them do have their own websites as well. Um, But we enjoy our social media a lot and we do our best to get pictures of the food up there so you can see if you're actually not there at the event. You can see all the great food that's out and about. So we always like to post the food that's going out to all our guests and customers. I think that's one of my favorite things that we do with our social media. Um, So if you happen to not get to come out that night, you can see all the great things that will be available to you next week. So yes, Feed the Camel on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Awesome. And what did we miss? Anything else that you want people to know about food trucks, food truck culture, restaurants, um, anything that we didn't cover that you think is important um, on the topic? For sure. Um, I would just like to say, you know, thank you to everyone that continues to support uh, Feed the Camel supports our local food trucks. I would have never imagined we would be here in our eighth season with our crowds continuing to grow. Um, it's just beyond my wildest dreams of how everything could continue to thrive and grow and be successful. And just to anyone that's listening and anyone that continues to come to our event and support the food trucks, just keep supporting right now. Last year wrecked us. It wrecked so many people, um, both in our community and in the food service industry as well. Um, Just show up, eat, you know, order your favorite foods. If you're anything like me, I usually get food from at least four or five vendors a night and take it home just so that I can, you know, share, share the love for everybody. We're a great family. We love the support. We love all of y'all being out there, enjoying our food. The smiles you see on our social media are completely legit. We love what we do and we love that we're able to make everyone as happy as they are. Excellent. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Mel. It was really awesome to talk to you. I am really excited about the food truck culture in Reno. I have great hopes for more exciting, delicious food. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at Feed the Camel on Wednesdays. Great. Thanks. Listeners, thank you again so much for tuning into this week's episode. Appreciate you. As always, I really appreciate feedback, so if you have any thoughts on this episode or any other, let me know. 
shoot me an email. My email address is Connor, C-O-N-O-R at arenawhites.com. And of course, if you really enjoy the show, I would love for you to leave me a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show and let people know about it. It's still a new podcast. I'm still always trying to spread the word. So feel free to share posts, link to episodes, let your friends know this podcast exists. That is the only way that they're going to find it. I appreciate you guys spreading the word. That's all I got for you this week. See you next time. (laughs) 